there is a consistency and a continuity between the Testaments. Jesus was there in the Old Testament, and He's in the New, and now He's continuing to do His work through His Spirit in the world today. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas. I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom concludes his series with part 12 of An Aerial View of the Old Testament. As we close out our study on the Old Testament, we're left with a few questions. Does the New Testament make the Old Testament obsolete? How does Jesus Christ fit into the Old Testament? Well, today, Tom will look at the main theme of the Old Testament, namely, that God accomplishes His eternal plan to redeem a people through His eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Tom will also present five important conclusions to help you in your understanding of the Old Testament. So open your Bible and let's join Tom Pennington right now on The Word Unleashed. Jesus rebukes the Jews for their rejection of Him based on the Old Testament's testimony. You know what he says to them? Look, you think you understand the Old Testament, but if you really understood the Old Testament, you would see that it speaks of me. You see the same point back just a few pages at the end of Luke. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with those two disciples after his resurrection. They're wondering what's going on. Notice verse 25. After they explain what has happened and they're not really believing that he has been raised from the dead, he said to them, and remember they don't know who this is at this point, he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. He says, listen, you know what? I'm sorry guys. You, you really didn't have enough information in the Old Testament. I couldn't really expect you to believe or have any confidence in what's gone on because you can't read the Old Testament and get any of this stuff. You've got to wait till you get the New Testament. Is that what he says? No. He says, foolish and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And then he goes on to explain it. Verse 26, was it not necessary, based on what the prophet spoke, for the Messiah to suffer these things and then to enter into his glory? He says, listen, if you had the Old Testament, if you understood the Old Testament, then it was there. This is what it was about. Verse 27, then beginning with Moses, those are the first five books, and with all the prophets, that's shorthand in first century Judaism for the entire Old Testament. Moses and the prophets was a way of talking about the entire scripture. He says, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them he expounded to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. He says, listen, guys, you missed it. How did you miss it? Let me show you what the Old Testament teaches. Let me show you how it points to me. Down in verse 44, you have another appearance with his disciples same chapter, Luke 24, verse 44. And he, now he said to them, to his disciples, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, and all things which were, were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He says, listen, what's happened 
is in fulfillment of all that the Old Testament predicted and said would happen. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, here's what's in the Old Testament, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus said, that's what the Old Testament teaches. And if you don't understand that, you don't get it. You don't understand what the Old Testament is about. Perhaps nowhere is the Old Testament's focus on Christ any more clearly stated than in the sermons of the apostles in the book of Acts. They tell us what the Old Testament is about. Let me just run through this very briefly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I just want you to get the big picture. In Acts, we'll skip to Acts chapter 3, verse 13. There, Peter says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, to us, that doesn't mean much. But if you're a Jewish person, your mind immediately races back to the very clear passages in Isaiah that talk about the coming Redeemer as the servant of Yahweh. Peter was saying, that's who Jesus is. You you didn't see it? You didn't understand? He goes on to say, and now, brethren verse 17, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. You know what he says? He said, listen, you were ignorant of it, but you shouldn't have been because he announced it beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that this is what was going to happen. And he goes on in verse 22, Christ is the prophet like Moses, that Moses predicted in Deuteronomy 18, verse 24, and likewise all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward announced these days. It permeated the Old Testament. Still in the same sermon, verse 25, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, here's the Genesis 12, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. What's happened is exactly what God said would happen from the very first book in the Bible. How could you miss it? Chapter 7, Stephen's sermon, he says that they killed those who had previously announced the coming, he's talking about the prophets here, those who wrote the Old Testament, they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. They announced it. They talked about it. Chapter 10, verse 43, Peter says, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Chapter 13, verse 23, from the descendants of this man, according to the promise in the Old Testament, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. You see how they keep tying it right back to the Old Testament? In Acts 18, Apollos demonstrated by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. It's the Old Testament. In Acts 26, and this one really is shocking. In Acts 26, listen to what Paul says. He says, I, in what I'm teaching, I am stating nothing There's nothing new in what I'm saying. I'm stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he should be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Paul says, my message is an Old Testament message. Acts 26, he goes on to say to Agrippa, for the king knows 
these matters, and I speak to him with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying anyone who believed the prophets of the Old Testament and compared their predictions with the factual, historical facts about Jesus of Nazareth must acknowledge the truth of Christianity. That's what he was saying. Acts 28, verse 23, Paul finishes up his ministry there in Rome trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. I belabored this, but I want you to get it. The Old Testament is a Christian book. Paul makes the same point in Romans 15. Jesus was the f- and is the focus of the Old Testament. In its prophecy, in its history, in its presence from beginning to end, first as creator, walking with Adam in the cool of the day, sacrificing an animal that he would eventually become the perfect fulfillment of, leading his people Israel from Egypt As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, he, the rock that followed them was Christ. As the angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament, listen, he was there. He's the story. He's the main character. And everybody that had been taught by Christ, all the apostles knew it. And their ministry was filled with it. So let's move on to the the second part, the work of Christ. We've talked about the person of Christ as one part of our theme What about the work of Christ? In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, when Paul gets to the gospel, listen to what he says. I love this. When he finally gets to explaining the gospel, he says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. But what I'm going to tell you, this righteousness that's a gift to you, that's given to you by faith in Jesus Christ, this righteousness, notice, verse 21, was witnessed by the law and the prophets. Again, that's shorthand for the Old Testament. Paul's saying, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not spinning this, you know, on my own. This is what the Old Testament taught. When he comes to chapter 4, in fact, turn to Romans chapter 4. I want you to see this. Romans chapter 4, when he gets here and he's talking about justification by faith alone, he uses two examples. And who are they? Well, the first one is Abraham. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let's talk about Abraham. And he goes back in verse 3 to quote Genesis 15, 6. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, listen, the gospel I'm preaching to you, this has always been the way God, man comes to God. It's the way Abraham came to God. He was justified by faith alone. Abraham was a wicked idolater that God snatched. Then he uses David, verse 7, or verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on, whom, on the man to whom the Lord credits righteousness apart from works. And he quotes Psalm 32. He says, listen, I'm telling you something that's old news in one sense, but it's new news in another because the one who made it possible has been here and he's done it. But what I'm telling you is out of the Old Testament. The gospel I'm preaching to you, the work of Christ, was described and explained and believed in in the Old Testament. Oh, they didn't understand all the fullness that you and I understand, but they understood there was a Redeemer coming. As early as Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, they knew there was a person coming who would deal with sin. By the way, here in in Romans chapter 4, 
he uses both Abraham and David to show that the Old Testament taught justification by faith alone. That was absolutely contradictory to first century Judaism and what they taught. They had twisted the Bible to make it works-based, that their efforts, yes, there was grace, yes, there was faith, but their efforts and their merit and their righteousness contributed to their standing before God. That was, it's contrary, what he teaches here in Romans 4. It goes back to the Old Testament. It's contrary to the teaching of Roman Catholicism. It's contrary to the teaching of cults like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. It is always in their theology, grace and faith plus either human merit or human accomplishment. It is always something, somehow, you contribute to your standing before God. Paul calls that in Galatians chapter 1, another gospel. He calls it a soul-damning gospel. What the Old Testament taught, Paul says in Romans 4, is that man has always been justified on the basis of faith alone. He goes on in Romans 4 to say, when God said that to Abraham, it wasn't for his sake only that it was written. It was written for our sake as those who believe in Christ and it be credited to our account as righteousness. In Romans 16, Paul makes the same point. The prophets witnessed this salvation that was to come in Jesus Christ. But I want to hasten on to Galatians 3. And I wish I had time to go through Galatians 3. We will at some point. Let me just give you the big outline. In Galatians 3, Paul goes back to the Old Testament. He talks about Abraham. He talks about the law. And listen to what he says. And I've just summarized it here. He says, first of all, the Abrahamic covenant made back in chapter 12 of Genesis included the gospel message and the promise of the Messiah. He says the law, the Mosaic law, was a temporary provision until the seed, that is Christ, the ultimate fulfillment of the promise, had come. And that the law in its temporary state was a tutor to drive us to Christ, to help us see that we could never on our own merit the righteous, merit a standing before God of righteousness. And that to belong to Christ is to inherit the spiritual promise of the Abrahamic covenant. You see how it all connects? He's saying, listen, this is part of what, this is what the Old Testament taught. And he's teaching it to New Testament Christians in Galatians chapter 3. Peter in 1 Peter 1 tells us that the prophets understood that salvation would come through the Messiah, that they didn't know what person or time, but they knew that he would suffer, and they knew that he would experience glory, and they understood that the sufferings would come first and the glory would follow. They just didn't know who or when, but they understood the rest of it. What I want you to see is that Christ and his atonement for sin and the the basic gospel of justification by faith alone were at the heart of Old Testament revelation. And when the New Testament authors, when the apostles of Christ wanted to show people, they took them back to the Old Testament. The third sort of part of our theme is once people have been redeemed, they need to be taught. The Old Testament accomplishes that as well. That's part of the reason it exists Paul in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, says, Whenever, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. He's talking about the Old Testament. So that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. It was written for us, Paul says. 
Some conservative scholars teach that for us to deduce spiritual lessons from the Old Testament text is inappropriate. They call it spiritualizing or moralizing. And it is true that Christians often abuse the Old Testament and the original authorial intent by how they handle the Old Testament Scripture. But when it's done with respect to the context, it is not wrong to draw spiritual lessons from Old Testament history and Old Testament law. Paul did it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, for it is written in the law of Moses. Now remember, he's writing to a bunch of Gentiles saved out of paganism in Corinth. And he says, it is written in the law of Moses, this is the Old Testament, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And then he says, you don't think God's ultimate concern was about the oxen, do you? Of course not. For our sake, it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. He uses it to make a spiritual point about supporting those who give their lives in ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, he gives the story from the wilderness wanderings, and he says, now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. What I want you to see is that not only does the Old Testament feature and shine the searchlight upon Jesus Christ, not only does it teach the gospel that we embrace, but it also is useful for our edification and instruction, for our learning, for the development of us who have been redeemed. So the major unifying theme or message of the Old Testament is for his own glory, God accomplishes his eternal plan to redeem a people through his eternal son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Although Christ and his redemption are the core of the Old Testament message, it's also appropriate as we look at the Old Testament to acknowledge that there are several sub-themes there as well. And again, I rely on my dear friend and his study Bible. I don't think there is a better summary of these key supporting themes than he gave us when he wrote the study Bible. He writes this, Scripture is always teaching or illustrating these basic five points. These are the main sub-themes that support Christ and his redemption as the main theme. The character and attributes of God is number one. The tragedy of sin and disobedience to God's holy standard is number two. Number three, the blessedness of faith and obedience to God's standard. Number four, the need for a savior by whose righteousness and substitution sinners can be forgiven, declared just, and transformed to obey God's standard. Number five, the coming glorious end of redemptive history in the Lord Savior's earthly kingdom and the subsequent eternal reign and glory of God and Christ. When you look at the Old Testament, as well as the New for that matter, you see Christ and redemption as the main theme and these support it and undergird it and help us to understand it. Let me close with some important conclusions from all that we've learned from the Old Testament. Number one, the fact that Christ is the central figure of both the Old and New Testaments immediately raises the value of the entire Old Testament for us. Jesus, remember, said, the Old Testament scriptures speak of me. It is not our right to neglect the Old Testament because Jesus said it's about me. That's not to say Jesus is in every verse. 
It's not to say he's in every chapter. It's to say that he permeates it. No more than casting your hook in a fish hatchery will catch you a fish every time, but you'll catch one most times. The same thing is true with Christ in the Old Testament. Secondly, as Christians, understanding the central theme of the Old Testament validates our use of, and there's some overlap here, but our use of and the benefit we receive from the Old Testament. Understanding they go together helps. And that brings us to the third point here. There is a consistency and a continuity between the Testaments. Jesus was there in the Old Testament, and he's in the New, and now he's continuing to do his work through his Spirit in the world today. Number four, Christ has been and will always be the mediator between God and man. You go all the way back to Genesis, and who was it that walked with Adam in the cool of the day? Who was it that slew the animal to clothe Adam and Eve? It was the second person of the Trinity who would one day become that sacrifice. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And finally, it demands. What we have learned of the Old Testament and its theme absolutely demands that we be students of the Old Testament. I want you to turn with me as we close to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because what I like about this passage is it identifies for us all three parts of that unifying theme and connects them to the Old Testament. Notice, first of all, in verse 15, let's go back to verse 14. He says, you, however, speaking to Timothy, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. He's talking about the Old Testament here. From childhood, Timothy, you have known the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. There it is, the atonement, salvation, justification by faith alone. It's in the Old Testament. The person of Christ is here. Notice he says, it is that faith which is in Christ Jesus. The sacred scriptures have pointed you to that, Timothy. You see the atonement. You see the work of Christ. You see the person of Christ in the Old Testament. And then he moves on to the teaching for the redeemed, for believers. Verse 16, very familiar verses. All scripture. Remember, folks, at this point he's talking primarily about the Old Testament. But it, of course, includes the new. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for the ultimate purpose that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Listen, the entire Bible will do that for you, but so will the Old Testament. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed. And that concludes our current series titled An Aerial View of the Old Testament. Tom will have a new series for you on our next broadcast. And we do hope you'll join us then.
But before we leave you today, here again is Tom with some closing thoughts. I know we've covered a lot of material in a short period of time, and perhaps you're feeling a little overwhelmed, even breathless, because of the sheer volume of material we've studied together. But I hope you won't be discouraged. My desire is not only to give you a thumbnail sketch of the Old Testament so you understand how it fits into the flow of all of Scripture, but also to motivate you. You see, we are to be lifelong students of the Scripture, both the New Testament that we all love so much, but also the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures that Paul said are able to give you a knowledge of salvation and are also able to build you up and make you sufficient, adequate as a a man or woman of God. And so I hope that all this series has done is point you to that end and motivate you to give yourself to the study of God's Word, both the New Testament and the Old. Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And be sure to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory explaining God's truth.